message tonight, and I don't think I need extra time. It's always probably good to hear. <clears throat> Luke 16 tonight. And if you saw the title, in the bulletin I put Mammon. I probably could, could have put a longer title. And because you probably looked at that, Mammon, I'm just, he's always going to preach against money and all that. Well, that's really not the case. So you'll, you'll see what I mean in Luke 16. I'm going to make a reference at the beginning of our study tonight as to something that Jesus did say. And then we're going to take a look at a, a point, a principle that he put forth in Luke 16, which is really good. Of course, everything he said was really good and something appropriate uh, in our day today, and something that we may have, to some extent, maybe lost sight of in our in our in the in the world in which we live today. But anyway, Luke 16 and verse. We're going to read first verses one through nine. If you follow along, and then we'll pray, and then get into the message for tonight. I want you to notice right off the very beginning. He says, and he said also unto his disciples. Right, so this was particularly for them. Now, later on, it's going to say that the Pharisees listened in. It wasn't really for them, but it was for the disciples. Uh, because what he's going to talk about tonight, the point he's going to make is only for believers. Really, the unsaved have no part in this, um, as far as what the Lord was talking about. Anyway, so he said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man, which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and write four score. The Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Um, what a passage. What, what a tremendous teaching the Lord Gave here. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us tonight. I pray for the, the leading of the Holy Spirit as he did, as he led in the study. I, I pray that he would also lead in the presentation of our study tonight, the message from the Word of God that we might learn from it, profit from it tonight. We're thankful for the great wisdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so help us tonight in the Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight the issue before us is that of mammon. It appears a few times in the scripture. The word translated mammon here is a word that simply means material wealth, assets, riches, treasure. Um, so mammon has a, a wide application. It can mean money. You know, it can mean cash. 
where it can mean anything that, we, that a person can accumulate in this world. And so, and in Matthew 6.24 and Luke 16.13, Jesus said he cannot serve God and mammon. He made that, he said there in Matthew chapter 6, no man can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other or cleave the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That's, that's absolutely true. All right? And unfortunately, um, in, in the world, even before Jesus came, um, there were many who had given up any, any uh, uh, spiritual uh, in, inclinations, any desire for things of God. Um, they had given that up for mammon. That, that, that's just a common thing. Right? Um, if it were not so common, the last of the Ten Commandments would not have said, Thou shalt not covet, and it lists a whole bunch of stuff. So it's very common. It's human nature to want to get stuff, and then it's our it's human nature to want to hang on to stuff. Right? So Jesus said, uh, people, have, people have to make up their mind. Of course, he's refer- preaching to his disciples for the most part, there in Matthew 6, also here in Luke 16. Um, and because even God's people, even folks who profess to be Christian, can get caught up into the whole the stuff game and, and you know hanging on to our stuff, all right? And so covetousness, in fact, the New Testament also has a lot to say about covetousness, and most of the time um, it applies it to the believer. In fact, in Colossians, where it lists the things that we're to give up, put away as Christians, one of the things is covetousness, which is idolatry. That's why Jesus said you can't serve both, because God, God must be God. Somebody has said that if he's, if he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. And that's, that's really true. He's either everything or he's nothing. Now understand, you know, we have, we have temptations and, and there's, we have to st- take stands, we have to make decisions um, to follow the Lord. And so, but having said that about what Jesus said about not serving mammon, that's not the point of what he says about mammon tonight. And so uh, we're going to see what, how this parable unfolded. And then the application, really. You know, he goes through the first eight verses to lay before them the scenario, the parable. And then really, he's got a verse nine is his application. That goes on, it follows through in some of the verses to follow. But really, verse nine is the main point of what he's saying. And so we're going to take a look at that um, uh, this evening. Now, first of all, we find that the steward is accused. Right? He said to his disciples, and so it's primary for them and us, um, he says there, a, there was a certain rich man which had a steward. Now, the word steward is understood more today as a trustee or a manager or an administrator. Um, a steward was somebody who, who was in charge, so to speak, or given the responsibility of handling somebody else's stuff, right? Their assets. And in this case, obviously, it had to do with houses, houses and lands. Apparently, the Lord in the parable was a landlord, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And he had people, he had tenants who paid him, um, in this case, in the parable, not in money, but in merchandise, all right? So kind of like a barter system. And so the steward, he, and, and by the way, um, uh, stewards had quite a bit of, of liberty, uh, depending on the type of owner, type of master. Uh, some of them uh, basically put everything in the hands of their of their manager. 
And that goes all the way back. It goes way back to the book of Genesis. Uh, when Joseph was sold as a slave to Egypt, he kind of worked his way up. And, and so Potiphar made him, really the steward, he, he made him the manager of everything. In fact, the scripture says that he gave so much authority and responsibility to Joseph that Potiphar only, only knew the food that was before him. Everything else he put in Joseph's hand because Joseph was so very faithful. So that was a common thing. And there's a lot of, there's, that, that also happens today. In a lot of cases, some rich man owns a bunch of stuff and he gives it to somebody else and he plays golf or whatever. You know. But anyway, so this rich man had this steward. All right. Now notice what it says in verse 1. The same, or in other words, the steward, the manager, was accused unto him. Somebody brought word to the Lord, to the owner, that he had wasted his good, or he had violated his stewardship, or he had mismanaged, or maybe deliberately, you know, squandered, you know, some of the master's things, master's goods. And so this report was given, and so he called him, verse 2, and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Uh, give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. So obviously very serious. This man was called in and the owner, the Lord said, notice it's a small L, you know, the, the, the man, the owner calls him in and says, you know, I've heard this report. How, how could you do this? How, could I, how is it that I heard this? Um, so give an account. I'm, I want all your records. I want all the dealings. And he said, because you're fired, basically. Uh, thou mayest no longer be steward. He took away from him. He fired him from his job. So then we find the, so he's dismissed. So the steward is accused, verse 1 and 2. And then number 2, the steward is resolved or determined. Um, take a look at his reasoning. Starts in verse 3, then the steward said within himself, so he's in his mind, he's thinking, what will shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. In other words, uh, I'm fired, now what? I don't have a job. What am I going to do? I cannot dig. And the word dig is a word, that's translated a word that simply means to do manual labor, like digging a ditch. It's the idea of that. So basically he says, oh, I could never do anything like that. I, I can't do manual labor. I, I can't dig ditches. I, I, that, that would just be beneath my dignity. Can't do it. To beg, I am ashamed. So he was too proud to ask for help. So we would say today, he didn't want to work, but he didn't want to be on welfare. <laughs> that's kind of a, that's a real dilemma, right? In these days. <laughs> so he says, uh, <coughs> oh, I got it. I am resolved. Notice he says, I, I am resolved what to do, verse 4. He says, I've got a plan. So his plan is this, what, what, I, have, I am resolved what to do. Now we're going to see what he's going to do here in just a minute. So that's his plan. He's got a plan worked out. He's also got a purpose that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. Right, so he has a plan. He's going to do something with his master's creditors so that, that will get him in good with them and so they'll take care of him. So he's not digging and he's not really begging. So, plan very simple. So verse number five, 
His procedure is this. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him. Now, so, so the Lord, I mean, he just gives a couple examples. There, who doesn't say how many, but every one means more than two. There's just two mentioned here. But there's more because he called them all in. And he said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? In other words, what's your tab? What do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. May have been olive oil, probably. And he said unto him, the steward, the ex-steward says, Take thy bill, in other words, take, take the bill of what you owe. Or maybe, the, maybe we would say the lease, that sort of thing, or the payment due, and sit down quickly and write 50. Again, the steward had some authority. He had the, he had the power to do this. And so he says, you know, cross out the hundred and just write 50 and pay the owner 50 measures of oil instead of 100. Then he said to another, verse 7, And how much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. In other words, write 80. So he told both of them, Reduce the amount that you owe. And again, he could do this. And the Lord, look at this, verse 8. The Lord, again, we can surmise from this that these men paid their dues to the owner, not in money, but in goods, which was very common in those days. All right? Perhaps there was a field. It may have been owned. Obviously, it was owned. So maybe the one guy was in charge of, a, of an olive, you know, olive trees, and he had to pay so much of the oil, whatever. And the same thing with the guy that, that he paid in wheat, had a field, whatever the case may be. So the Lord, verse 8, and the Lord, the owner, commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of the, this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. So let's just kind of take that apart a little bit. Um, so what the, he obviously... What this steward did is he gave the creditors a break, reduced their debt, which would endear him to them. That was his plan, right? He didn't do it because he, you know, cared for them. No, he sim- he wanted. To, he simply said, "If I do this for them, then they'll do this. They'll do something for me. They'll help me. They'll take me into their houses. Perhaps." He was thinking temporarily till he found another job or maybe they would hire him for themselves. But anyway, he did this simple but very effective. Now, the parable assumes that these creditors did what he said and did for the steward what he hoped they would do because in verse 8, the Lord, the owner, commended the unjust steward. In other words, he he allowed it, he let him do it, and he commended him for his shrewdness, if you want to call it that, um, because he had done wisely. Now, not Proverbs wisely, but shrewdly. It doesn't mean that what he did was right, but the, 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 the manager, I mean, the, the owner was obviously impressed for the, for the initiative that the steward took. 
to, to take care of himself. Right? So he commanded him. Commanded him. Because he's done wisely. The word wisely means, means shrewdly. Uh, he had showed some ingenuity here in taking care of his situation. Now, interesting statement that, that Jesus said afterwards. He said, For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Interesting, isn't it? Now, um, the, the, word, the, the word their generation is the idea of generation in the Bible can mean a time period or it can mean a group of people. In this particular case, the word translated generation is the idea of a group of people with similar characteristics. Right? So in other words, in what Jesus is saying that this can be applied to different time periods because as a general rule of thumb, the worldly people are smarter business-wise and money-wise than God's people. Now he's going to say, he's going to use one particular aspect to that. Okay? Um, the children of this world are in their generation wiser than children of men. And he's using the, the, the idea of this steward who was pretty sharp and was sh shrewd in, in, in having a plan and carrying out and providing for his earthly needs. So he says that the, the people of the world are great at using money for their end and for their goal and for their purpose. Wiser than the children of light. And what is he talking about? Is he saying that, that Christian people don't handle money as well as unsaved? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying the worldly people know their purpose and they, they go after it and, they, and they're wise at it. Children of light are not. Because we have a higher purpose. We have an eternal purpose. We have a purpose to glorify God, to further His kingdom. And that's what the Lord is talking about, that, that we, and he, and he says that, so He says in verse 9, And I say unto you, remember, who's He talking to? Disciples. I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of, or in other words, by means of, or the, by the use of, the mammon of unrighteousness. Mammon of unrighteousness, again that word mammon refers to earthly riches, possessions, so on, which naturally tend to produce unrighteousness. So if, if everything, and there's a sense where everything the Bible talks about is either righteous or unrighteous, right? Like the Word of God is righteous, and Jesus is righteous, and God is righteous, the Holy Spirit is righteous. Spiritual things are righteous. We as Christians are made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. Money is characterized, or mammon is characterized as unrighteous. It's because of the tendency to use it in an unrighteous way or for unrighteous things. And again, there's a lot of scriptures. First Timothy talks about um, how the love of money is the root of all evil and, and those, those that cover after it, they, you know, they, they pierce themselves through it, they fall into many hurtful lusts and so on, and they pierce themselves through with sorrow and, and they, you know, the world uses their money you know, for all kinds of things, entertainment and, you know, and parties and, and, you know, building empires and all the things that they do 
And so their goal, the, the, the children of this world, um, their goal is not to please God, not to serve God, it's to make themselves, you know, feather their nests and, and all that and get everything they can. And the Lord said that we are to be different. And so here's what he says. Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. And again, the word, little word of there is the idea is by, by means of or by the use of. And so he's saying that, that, the, that we, said to you, and the children, by the way, the children of light refers to the children of God, those who have come under the light of the gospel. Right? And that's, that expression is used in other places in the scripture. Um, in Ephesians, in chapter 5, it talks about you're a children of light. You know, you were darkness, but now you're light. Walk as children of light. Right? So there's a, there's, a, there's a contrast, or there should be, between how we walk and how the ungodly walk. And so he's telling them, use what you have to gain friends. All right? Why? Now he's saying, again, he's, he's taking off on, that, on the parable that this steward used mammon, wasn't his, it was somebody else's, but he, he used money to get to gain friends and gain habitation. All right? So the Lord says we are to do that with our possessions. We use them to gain friends. In other words, to influence people and win them. Obviously, under underlying this here, um, is the idea of winning them to the Lord, using what we have to influence people and bring them to Christ. And then why? Notice, that when ye fail, the word translated fail here is, means to end, to stop, or to run out. We could use the word expire. So in other words, when you expire, it's not so much the idea when the money runs out, but it's when we run out. When ye fail, when you end, when you expire, or just talk about dying, when you're no longer, when we're put out of the stewardship, so to speak, because that's what happens when, when we're done, when we die, we're done serving the Lord down here. So that what? They may receive you but notice what it says. Into everlasting habitations. Now where are now there's only two everlasting habitations. I mean it really makes it pretty easy to figure out this parable because there's only I mean we need the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying that, but it's clear that from the passage that uh, from the rest of the Word of God, there's two eternal habitations heaven for the saved and hell for the unsaved. Now Jesus certainly is not telling his disciples make friends so you can pave the way to hell. That's what he's saying. He's saying use what we have in this world to make friends, to help people, to influence, influence people, bring them to Christ, so that the, when it's all over, they will receive us into heaven. In other words, they will see us there and we will see them there. And I don't know. I... There's some indications in Scripture. Um, told your place here. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2 for just a minute. And I'm wondering, and I'm, I'm suggesting that 
if we do this, and if we have been doing this, and if we use what we have, and people were able to influence them, get them perhaps to come to church, or more importantly, get them to be saved, that we may know it when we get to heaven. Now look at look at First Thessalonians chapter 2, um, verse 18 and 19. Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Now, Paul wanted to go back to Thessalonica, but he was hindered because of the things that happened there before. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Now we've, we've spoken in, over, the, over the years about the crown of glory, the crown of rejoicing, which is the witness, it's the soul winner's crown, the witnesser crown. And so Paul had led these people to Christ. And so he says, at the coming of Christ, you're going to be part, you're going to be my crown. And so I, and there's other scriptures too that indicate to me that uh, we're going to know in heaven, God's going to let us know who we influence. Now, we may know some of that now, but we might not. There may be people that we have done something over the years, we've helped them, um, I was thinking about that uh, even today. For some reason, I was thinking about um, when I used to get to go. To, I used to go to jail. I can't go. Can't go. I don't know if I'll ever get to go back because they're not allowing any contact. They're allowed you if you go in there and visit. You can talk through the glass and phone. Can't really do a Bible study that way. There's not enough places. So anyway, but I was thinking about um, guys in the jail that have really. They've, they've really truly turned their lives over to the Lord, and they've and they've gone someplace else. We, you know, I, I, it took me. It was I, it was kind of a surprise to me when I found out how many of the guys in Wyoming County Jail I was ministering to aren't from Wyoming County. They have to get in trouble here. But anyway, and I was thinking about this, and please, the God gets all the girl glory. You wonder sometimes if there's anything coming of that. And so I got a phone call. A couple more than I can think of two times. Well, I got a phone call from a pastor from some other area. And he said, hey, I, I got your name from this guy in our church that used to be an inmate in Wyoming County Jail. And he tells me that he was saved under your ministry. And this is his name. I just want you to know he's got baptized as a member of our church. And he's really doing great. And that happened a couple times. And so, and then one time, remember a few years ago we went to that, we went to a tent meeting over in Elkdale. And this guy comes to me, he says, hey, do you Pastor Myers, do you remember me? And I said, yeah, you look familiar. And he said, well, I'm so-and-so. I said, yeah, I remember you. And he said, well, I just want you to know that I, I, when I got out of prison, I got, I got lined up with Pastor Bissell because he lived over Elkdale and he was doing really great in the church. So, you know, praise the Lord. We don't always know that down here. And in fact, people say, people witness, they hand out tracts, they do stuff. And, they'll, and oftentimes I've heard many people say over the years, we may not know until we get to heaven the impact and so, why, I mean, why wouldn't God allow us to see in, in heaven the fruits of our labors and, and those that we influence for Christ? And so that's what he's basically saying here. Um, rather than, you know, don't, you know, uh, be like the world in the sense of knowing your purpose and going after it. But don't be like the world in using what we have only for ourselves. 
I use it to influence others. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm seriously, I'm not talking about putting money in the offering. That's not what Jesus talked about here either. Now there's a place for that, obviously. We do that. But he's talking about out there. He's talking about using what we have to influence others for the gospel. And, 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 I've been, and I understand, I know we've been, I've been challenged that personally over the years. Um, way back when I first went to Bible college, out there, way out Prince Albert. Um, you know, here's a guy, a young fella, 18, what, 19 years old, 18 years old. I'd never driven farther than Binghamton, New York. And I get in my little car and I drive 2,000 miles to go to Bible school. And I thought, man, this, and I, I was so concerned about that car. I remember taking it to the garage where I always got inspected. And I said, hey, I, I've got a trip to make. It's about 2,000 miles either way. I said, do you think this car will make it? And the guy said, this car, nothing wrong with it. I think it will. Fine. And did. I made a couple, three, three times, in fact. But anyway, I said all that to say, when I got there, I thought, oh, man, made it, made it. And then I thought, well, I guess it's time to give this little car a rest. I'm going to kind of retire until it's time to go back home. One of the first Sunday night, I think it might have been the first Sunday night in church, the pastor talked about using what you have. You know, and he, and he said, he, he says, like, Use your car to bring somebody to church. And I think hey, that sounds pretty good. So I talked to him. He said, yeah, I've got some people that need to ride. And, and then ended up doing that for a couple of years. Um, anyway, so I'm just saying, that that's, what, that's a simple thing. But, you know, give, do something. You know, do, use what we have to be an influence for others. And that they may receive you into um, everlasting habitation. Therefore, we can and should use our earthly substance to influence and win others to Christ so we can meet them in glory. And I realize this kind of follows up on last Sunday night's message about, you know, um, find, you know, looking around, getting to know people. You know, someone graduates, someone gets a new job, someone has a baby, someone loses a loved one. There's all kinds of situations that we can become aware of and we can use those. Um, and, you know, it's, and it's, it's all right to have a, a, a second motive. Um, you know, it's all right to do things because we want to, to in, win, win them for Christ. But, then, but, but on the other hand, we need to genuinely care for people. And that only comes from God working in our hearts. You know, that love is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so He's the only one that can really produce that in our lives. And so, again, I'm encouraging us, me and everybody, to look for those opportunities. Um, so Jesus said that we can't serve God and mammon, but we can use mammon to serve God and others by using what we have to make friends of the unsaved as Jesus taught in this parable. That is bringing them, bringing them trying to bring them um, to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone has written a long time ago, based on scripture, that money makes a terrible master, but it can make a great servant. And so we can use our what we have to, as a servant and put it to work, using it for God's glory. And that's part of what Jesus said again. And I just thought about that in Matthew 6, where the Lord said, lay not up for yourselves treasure on earth. You know what it says? And it says, lay up treasure in heaven. Again, that's not just talking about the offering plate. It's talking about using what we have for spiritual good. And as Paul put in Galatians, sowing to the Spirit 
shall reap life of the Spirit, reap life, reap life everlasting, and let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, Jesus, and you know, I've often said it's not the church's responsibility to feed the poor, and that's true in a sense, but here Jesus said there, can't, there is a responsibility to make friends by using unrighteous mammon to influence them for the Lord Jesus. And then the Bible says, for example, Proverbs 3, 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and substance means the sum total of our possessions, and with the first fruits, or the first portion of all thine increase, and increase is income. Right? So we're supposed to honor the Lord with all that. And uh, may we all purpose to do this, and may we truly seek God's help and guidance to do so. Um, again, um, it goes along with what Jesus said in John 4, where he said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. And so part of that is looking, you know, being aware of what's going on. Um, you know, we, some, we may not be able to do much. You know, uh, somebody said, I put it this way one time, I am only one. I'm only one person, but I am one person. And I can't do everything, but I can do something. <laughs> so, and again, let's, let's do that. Let's have, again, I, I think we've somehow, we've kind of maybe gotten away from that um, in, our, in our world. And I, I realize also because of the, all the stuff that's gone on, you know, the COVID and all that. And, and uh, you know, we stopped the other day, I guess it was last night, um, <clears throat> Little, there's, remember, there's another Jordan that used to come to Sunday school, Jordan and Lila. Uh, Jordan used to Jordan, um, yeah, Zajikowski. And uh, his mom and dad just had a baby, their fourth little baby, their fourth child. And so uh, we went over there. I thought, well, we just got some stuff. And um, we went over there, knocked on the door. And they, said, they, know, they know us. And, and they said, hey, Pastor Mary. I said, yeah, Jeremy. I said, we heard, we read in the paper that you had a little baby girl. And, and so we, you know, we just wanted to bring you some stuff we, for the baby. And, and we had those hats and things. Remember that Pastor Mooney came, his wife had put those together. Anyway, and so we took a couple of those of towels and hats that, for the other kids. And um, they were really, 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 you know, really happy to get that. And then, we, then I found out, I said, you know, we're having Sunday school. He says, oh, you're doing stuff with all the COVID going around. So they, and I've been, I've been trying to contact them. Um, but they're very frightened, right? Um, unsafe people, um, they, you know, they, they basically are scared um, and everything. And I mean, you know, there's some, there's some truth to that. And so we just encouraged him. And we said, hey, we'd love to come. We want to come. We want to come and see you. And he said, you know, I'd love, I would invite you in. But he said, it's not a good time. And, uh, you know, the baby was just, she, in fact, he came to the, he answered the door with a, with a, dark, a dirty diaper in his hand, all folded up. So I just got done changing the girl. And he said, but yeah, he said, when the weather gets nice, we, we really want, we want to get a hold of you. And I said, you have our number, right? And he said, yeah. I said, you know, feel free to call us, whatever, anytime. Um, and I, and by the way, they're, they're not a family that's, they're not, you know, they both work. I mean, they're, they're, they're a good family. They, they just need to know the Lord, okay? And so, uh, and I'm not, I don't know if it's going to pan out. Don't know. Um, but pray, hopefully. Um, I mentioned this morning. Please pray for the young fellow that, that sent me at the parking lot. His name is Joe, um, and uh, he's, he's inter he seemed interested. Um, so we just have to. And of course, 
one of the things I have to get through my head is one time isn't enough. <laughs> you know, you got to keep back, going back, going back, going back, and, and following up remedies. And so, um, this is what the Lord said. By the way, verse 9, one more thought, and then we're done. Verse 9 starts off, and I think I overlooked it in my head of my notes, but he says, Jesus said, and I say unto you. All right, that's the Lord's authority. You know, there's many times in the Gospels where he would say this, and then he would say, he'd quote somebody else, somebody else that said something, but he, and he would say, I say unto you. No. So he says to his disciples, to his disciples, he said, this is what I'm telling you. This is why I gave you this parable. Because even though this, he may not have been talking about any particular master and steward, but this, certainly this scenario had happened at some point, and the Lord said, this is the, this is the parable, here's the story, and this is what I'm saying to you, do this, do this, all right? And so, may the Lord help us to do that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the time in thy word tonight. Thank you for um, those in our lives, and, and I just, I know that when I was a boy, there was a, there was a neighbor lady who was paying attention, to what was going on in her neighborhood and she saw this family move next door and you know father what she did she came to our house and right away said hey can i take your son to sunday school and and that was the start of it and praise the lord for that father help us to to be looking um, help us to be praying um, for opportunities and father again there's many i know this there's some here tonight i, I uh, are, are trying to do that and i just pray that you would multiply our efforts and uh, we might have that influence and even folks I just mentioned uh, Jeremy and Ashley and, and Joe and uh, just pray that you might work in these lives and just give us uh, the opportunity and uh, the boldness to follow up on these and that we might see uh, you working in hearts and lives and, and again Father we would pray that you would uh, take away this COVID in the meantime, give us grace uh, that we might be able to serve Thee during these times and, and You might help us to have a calm and comforting voice from the Word of God and assuring voice to let people know that there is hope and that we don't need to live in fear. And if we know Christ is our Savior, we know that we're going to heaven. And so I just pray, Lord, that You would help us to get the message out to people even as we sang that hymn tonight. Send the light. Lord, help us to be a lighthouse. Um, we are certainly a, a building that's setting on a hill. And people know that it's here. Uh, but Lord, help us to, to really uh, send the light to them. And we'll thank Thee for all that's done. Pray for our church folks. I pray for those, again, that are, that are uh, sick and, and hurting. Uh, you would just encourage them, comfort them. And I also would pray for those of our folks that could, that could come out more, that I just might burden their hearts about the importance. They yeah, come because they want to. Oh Lord, I, you know my heart. I don't want to nag people. I don't want to make people come to church because they feel guilty for not coming. We have to. We have to do that. We will. But Lord, more so that people would just come because they want to, because they love the Lord. They love church. They love the hymns. They love the Bible. Lord, would you would you raise up a group of people like that in this day in which we live? Not only here, but throughout this country and all over the world. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hymn books, please. Number 386. All for Jesus. All right, let's stand, please.
386, all for Jesus, all for Jesus. All right, let's sing all four of these verses. Think of the words. This is a great hymn, and the person who wrote this did a really good job of capturing our life um, for the Lord, and this is no doubt her testimony. Um, so let's sing all four verses, please. All for Jesus.
melting away for the longer hours of daylight and look forward to those even more. But most of all, we're thankful for the Word of God and for Christ our Savior and pray that you would help us tonight as we leave, give us safety and Father, just help us to walk with thee in the light of the Word and even what we've heard today, this morning, this evening. And just help us, O Lord, to be faithful and use us, we pray, in these days we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.